Hello everyone, this is your girl, Erica L. Thank you for tuning in to Brown Girl Table Talk. Hello everyone, this is your girl from Brown Girl Table Talk, Erica L. Our guest today is Mr. Saidi Kali. How are you, Mr. Saidi? Hey, I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So I will good. say prior to us actually um getting started here we actually had a very in-depth conversation and i just want to get into it i want everybody to if you could just like formally introduce yourself tell us a little bit about yourself your background and then we'll go right into it okay um i'm Sadi kali um i am a photographer um, and an artist who created something called Decolonizing Beauty. And Decolonizing Beauty is um, almost therapy veiled in photography. And I take people through a process that helps them um, recognize a bunch of things that they've collected over the years that no longer serve them. And I get them to take those things off long enough for them to see how they look uh, without them. And it often is a life-changing experience. And so I guess that's why you reached out to me. Absolutely. I will say, uh, Sadi, I've been following you on Instagram for almost a year now. And every time I run across one of your, um, I call it art, Um, Uh one of, Uh, Once I run across uh, one of your pieces, I'm looking like, oh, my God, like who who is taking the picture and who had the nerves to actually allow this person to take this picture? And um, as I continue to study a lot of your pieces, I find so much strength in them. I see vulnerability. I see courage. I mean, I see so many different things. So and I'm I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's good. Um, I was just, you said who would allow, and it uh, made me laugh in that um, none of those pictures are of models. None of those none of those are somebody, people that I've found or something like that. These are all clients who have found me and hired me to do this. So, uh, you know, they're coming to me for that as opposed to letting me take the picture kind of thing, if that makes sense. Right. It makes a lot of sense. And um, I'm glad you put that out there because um, as we um, close, I do want you to share um, your information on how people can get in contact with you. um, So that way in the future, if um, I'm going to be honest with you, I um, am when I get, I'm I'm not going to say when I get the courage, I am going to get to the point where I am going to do a photo shoot such as that because I think it'll be cleansing for my soul so well I'm, I'm gonna look forward to making art with you and uh for me it's it's like when it's time you know sometimes we gotta go through uh the process of getting back to ourselves and I kind of like to see myself as a bridge you know that kind of helps people through some particular step, uh, a bridge over, you know, whatever that 
thing is that's in your way um, back to doing something that almost shocks your system into realizing that uh, making exceptional choices is not as scary as we've been taught, you know. And once you do it and you realize, oh, this is not as hard as I thought and it feels good and it's dope, then maybe you apply that same thing to the next, you know, extraordinary choice that takes you off and deeper into your life and into your gifts and your journey, you know? Right. So, so I guess it's... No yeah, it's liberating, I'm thinking, to a lot of people. So what do you find, like, could be the most, um, um, I'm not going to say difficult, but, like, if someone comes in, is this, like, a, just a one-day process, or you're um, starting off with them, just kind of getting to know them, to have that connection so that you can move forward, or? yeah. I never have a, uh, I never photograph anybody I haven't talked to in depth first. Um, and the talk, the conversation is to um, create a culture that, uh, that allows for the rapport that we need to have in this session. And most people have been taught to fear stuff, you know fear whatever it is that they haven't done uh, whatever is unknown to them and they when you fear stuff you go into it with this protective coding you know and trying to keep all of your most um, I guess fragile parts near and dear to you um, close to, to, to your chest to protect them but what do you like when there's no danger and nothing to defend against, you know, mm. what, what do you like when everything happening in the space is for your benefit and about your betterment, you know? Um, and most people don't know what they'd be like. So sometimes we have to talk to create the rapport to allow you to discover that, Oh, you know, this is, I have to, I have to maybe, you know, start piloting what I'm like, right. because I've never been in that space before, or, or, you know, the last time I was in that space, I did it, I didn't use the discernment that I have, and I did it with somebody who, who didn't treat my vulnerability like it was precious, you know? Right. And so... Um, I, I understand the fear, but the fear is, is the thinking. And once you get out of your head and you feel the energy in the space and you hear the music and you feel the vibe and what all of that stuff, before you know it, you know, you gonna think you Tyra Banks in there and by the end, <laughs> I gotta make you put your clothes back on so I can get to the next line, you know? <laughs> Well, I have um, one thing. Say, for example, I come in um, and it's my first time seeing you. I know very little. What would be one of the first questions you would ask me to kind of get a feel? Um, well, one, um, our conversation happens uh, before you meet me. Okay. It happens on the phone 
uh, the night before or sometime very near to your shoot. So we have talked about the ins and outs of your life and your story and things that have been difficult for you and what you aspire toward and all of that stuff. So by the time you get to me, we already homies, you know, we folks. Right. Um, so I kind of like did already my homework because we, before we even got on today, um, we had an in-depth conversation um, that I felt was very inspirational in the first, what, 15 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's important to me um, that that I'm not photographing a stranger. And it's important to me that you're not coming in and bearing your soul to a stranger. And so I don't have like a um, a script, you know. Um, I'm going to talk to you and tailor uh, how I move in the space based on how, uh, based on the rapport that you and I have created in our conversation, you know. And people come in for different reasons. Some people uh, got a divorce and they're discovering, you know, discovering or rediscovering themselves. Some people just went through surgery. Some people, you know, had uh, have lost weight. Some people, you know, um, have been through traumas. You know, there, there's a, a million reasons that folks come to me. And so I can't treat those million reasons with one conversation. Right. I have to um, be vulnerable also and allow myself to to just get to know you, you know, and, and just feel you out and see where you are and what, what you're going through and tailor um, the session to that. So that's how these... That's how most people end up uh, in a naked state because it's almost like you're pulling back the covers. You're you're revealing who you really are. You're taking away all the stress. You're taking away the depression. You're taking away the fact that you were divorced. Or like you said, you're taking away that you just lost your left breast to cancer. You know, um, those types of things. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm taking it away because... Uh, I'm I'm doing my work and you're doing your work. So okay, uh, I won't take it away for you. I'll talk you through it, and we will maybe um, find a place to put it or come up with a new uh, a new meaning for it. Or you know, because a lot a lot of times um, we've never examined some of the things that we've been through. You know, mm. we. We see them as trauma, and we put them somewhere that, that that they don't fit, and they just keep, you know, showing up through our clothes or through our, you know, throughout our movement. Okay. Um, and we've never actually examined it. So, for instance, there is some little girl. I'm making this up. Right. Who um, was sitting on the floor as a six-year-old in the kitchen and her mama's doing the dishes and her aunt walks in and says to her mama about the little girl uh she got some big feet as if this little girl doesn't hear this Mm -hmm. and then 
the girl goes to school and she's in the fourth grade or something. And there's a boy who likes her and he doesn't know how to like her because nobody trains boys on, you know, how to be kind and sweet to girls. And so he teases her and, you know, when really he just wants her attention, but he's going to be like big feet, big feet or whatever. And then she hears that and she internalizes that. And then she is in college and she walks into a room, uh, maybe it's the classroom, and she trips over somebody's foot. And then she says, I'm sorry, my feet are big. Mm. And she doesn't realize how she has internalized this thing and made it a fact when it may not be a fact, you know. Um, And even if it is a fact, it's not a fault. You know, and we've been uh, trained to believe we have flaws. And I don't believe if the creator made you, you know, in in, in the creator's own image, that you would have a flaw. I right. think the flaw is in our perspective, not in our, not in our physical form. Right. It's and one's so, perception of you, which is not necessarily so. Right. And so you've been, you know told and shown some things uh, that you internalize and those perspectives work against you. I have a great example of that. Go ahead, share. So, um, when I was young, and part of this was told to me, so my mom said, Mm -hmm. um, I was born in 76. My mom Mm -hmm. said a lot of times when she took me out, she would have to cover me up because white people or even black people some but she said mostly white people would come and say oh this is a cute black baby oh she's cute black baby dark skin oh what's this little black girl doing with all this hair curly hair so she said she didn't like the comments a lot of times so she would cover me up so of course it went from that to i remember being in the second or third grade and i'm going shopping for a dress with my mom and she's like you can't wear that color because it doesn't look good on your skin. Uh-huh. Then it goes from yeah. being in school and saying, oh, look a blackie or, oh, you're black or you're this, you know, making comments, you know, or you're ugly, uh-huh. you're dark skin, you look like musk, you know, just all kinds of different comments. And then you go into adulthood and you meet the guy and he's like, Oh, you cute to be dark skinned. I really want to get with you. Or and then moving on to college and saying people saying, Oh, you know so and so wants to holler at you, but he really don't talk to dark skinned girls. Uh-huh. So then you go into life and here I am into the corporate world and I'm like, Oh, I now I have to dress a certain way, I have to wear my hair a certain way, and I need to make sure that I'm on point so that way I'm look uh, presentable to people. So for a long time, right. I didn't wear certain colors because my mom said you look better in bright colors than you do in dark colors. You know, those type of small stereotypical things. But then I didn't realize how much it weighed on me until later on in life, like now. You know, so mm-hmm. I went from, you know, having straight hair to wear my hair natural. And then I went from natural 
to like cutting all my hair off. Then I went, then I let it grow back. And then now I'm in dreads. So I'm really like saying, okay, no matter how my hair is supposed to look or no, what have you on my skin, if I want to wear black, I'm going to wear black. If I want to wear dark blue, I'm going to wear dark blue. If I want to wear yellow, I'm going to wear it. And I have to like, I'm literally, like you said, I'm talk. I'm doing the work. Um, no yeah. one's necessarily yeah. coaxing me through it. I have gone through ther- therapy and have shared some of those things uh-huh. with my therapist. Um, like I enjoy dancing. Everybody knew I could dance. I would dance all the time. Uh-huh. And then I, um, it was some points in my life where my mom or someone would say, oh, you can't dance. So I did dance for a while in college. But then after that, after college, it just pretty much stopped. Now I'm just dancing around the house. Or if I go to the club, which I'm not a real club person, but when I do go out, I enjoy dancing. So that's kind of a prime example you're thinking of. (laughs) Well, definitely uh, a perfect example of what I'm talking about. And it's so crazy how people um, harm us in the name of love. You know, your your mother said certain things, you know, and she, in her mind, is thinking that she's loving you by doing this. Um, you know, these people who are saying she's a cute, dark baby or all of this stuff, they, they are, in their minds, they're complimenting you. Right. But because of how they've been trained, um, they don't know that they're putting that training on you and unfortunately um you know at a certain point we're too young to discern and know wrong from right truth from lies whatever but you you get to an age where you know the difference but um you've already been trained not to love yourself and most of the worst stories we've ever been through in our adult lives come from times when we weren't loving ourselves enough to um you know prevent these things right so in getting back to loving yourself um actually in many ways alleviates most of those problems because you can discern now you know that this is oh that doesn't fit me that doesn't work for me that doesn't feel good and say no to it whereas you know um not loving yourself you'll think of a reason to say yes to a no thing right and I can even remember like my parents defending me like I would come home and I'm upset and crying and I'll say mom they call me Medusa because I have these long long hair and she was like oh they're teasing you because they wish they had long hair like yours they wish they had beautiful hair like yours, and that's why they're teasing you. And she would say, you know, she would, or she would say, you know, when you go to school, you make sure you tell them the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. And so you might be dark, but you're sweet. And so it just would be things of that nature. And even with my dad, I would go home and cry with my dad, and my dad would like hold me, and he would tell me the story of like the ugly duckling and how everybody was. You know, was mean to the ugly duckling, and the ugly duckling turned into a beautiful swan, and things of that nature. So I, you know, yeah. they would say those things to me, but at the same time, they is like it's almost like they were guarding me 
trying to guard me at the same at the same time if that makes sense like so it ended yeah, up affecting well, me in both aspects you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i mean and, and nobody you know when when you get to the age that your parents were when they had you and you realize how little you know then you mm. understand all the things that they didn't know at the time right uh so i don't I don't, you know, blame my parents for the things they didn't know. They just didn't know. They weren't taught those things, you know. But it's up to me, and they desire for me to have a better life than they had. That's why they worked so hard for me, you know. Right. And so it's up to me to to say, okay, you knew this much. Um, I need to know more than that, you know. I, you loved yourself like this. I need to top that, you know. I need right. to improve upon what you what you had because you paved the way. And I understand and, you know, forgive you for some of the mistakes you made because I, I, I made plenty of my own, so I understand, you know. So let's shift then, since we're talking about uh, vulnerability, vulnerability but also love, what do you think about this black love era? Everybody's talking about like we as people, you know, we need to show more, more black love or we need to see more uh, black love exhibited because of course, I guess in when our parents were growing up, they didn't show much affection. It was more so done behind closed doors versus now, you know, people want to be more open and actually uh, allow their children to mimic and see, actually see that kind of bond. What do you think about that? Well, I I think that there were certain people who weren't who were doing it that way, or or, or certain people who were were behind closed doors. But I'm uh, I was born in '73, and mm-hmm. I was born in the midst of a black arts movement and the black power movement. And so there were plenty of people who were really, really loud and uh, open about loving their black selves and loving blackness and learning more about their African history and so on and so forth, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, I think, why um, it's happening again today is because there were so many books and so many leaders and so many people who who died for us to have it. The problem is, um, is that the media and unfortunately church, Mm. uh, often teaches us things that, uh, you know, make us, that control us or make us feel guilty or, you know, all of these things that stop us from being able to just do what is natural to us. Um, and and you know it based on having this long, luxurious hair or whatever and then getting to a point where you decided to go natural or cut it off. And there are certain people who were raised in this uh, conservative perspectives who really thought you were out of your mind, you right. know, because how could you cut off that, that hair that everybody wants or whatever? You know, how could you have this nappy hair, whatever the thing is that their perspective is, but uh, the that the blackness 
and the love of blackness has been around for a really long time. So it's just, you know, how things go in cycles and we're just kind of, that cycle is coming back around. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to me. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, and I, I, you put it so eloquently. I think um, I grew up in a church and, um, uh-huh. and as I've gotten older, I found like, oh man, it was so much uh, taboo and more of myths versus reality. And sometimes I get up, I get frustrated because I feel like I spent so much time in the church that I should have been prepared for certain things. But in reality, the church, well, some churches don't prepare you for reality. You know, only thing is, it, it is, is that if you do this, if you sin, you're going to hell. If you do that, you're going to hell. But they don't talk about everyday life uh, situations that you're going to encounter. I learned that. On, on my own. To yeah. me, that's the hell, is the living here and being miserable. You know, I, I, I can, you know, imagine what, what it's like after I die and where I go and all of that, but right. I don't have to imagine being, living every day miserable, not being able to be myself, not being able to love myself, not being able to do all the things that come natural to me naturally to me because somebody else says that's against the rules you know that's not what you're supposed to do and and that's supposed to do thing uh it takes away your own your own personal relationship to the creator you know you've been made You've been given these gifts, and, and God so loved the world that God gave us you. Right. And we can't get the gifts that God gave you to give to to share with the world because you're not supposed to do whatever. You know? Right. And so I I don't I don't share in that perspective, and my hope is that everybody gets the opportunity to find out what their gifts are, what their mm. you know what their own natural perfection is and be that, you know? And you're absolutely right um, in that regards. And even um, just the other day I was thinking and I said, you know, God, I believe in God. Like you said, I believe Uh in the creator. I do believe, Uh you know, that you have the Trinity. I believe that Uh God is within me. So he gives me the power and which the, if I don't feel like I have the power, then I don't have it. But I, I have the ability to recreate because that's what God said. Mm-hmm. Women is to produce, you know, to multiply. I have the power to change a bad situation into the most positive situation because of what I have inside of me, which is love, patience, kindness. I know, you know, long suffering, all those things. Uh, I know what my strengths are. I know what my weaknesses are, and I have I I have the faith. I believe it, so therefore I'm going to receive it. So whatever I put out is what I'm going to get back, right? And the same thing if they, you know, if you if you sow a bad seed 
then guess what you're going to get back? Guess what's going to grow? Weeds. Bad, uh, that bad situation or whatever the case may be. But if you put out love and you, you plant the seed, then you're going to get that back. So Right, but we sometimes we talk about putting out love before we put in love. Mm. And so many of us, you know, decide we are... Uh, I'm an empath and I'm a healer and I'm a this and I'm, I'm an activist and all of this stuff and you're trying to put out love before you've actually put in love and it, you know I can't feed you if my plate is empty it doesn't, it doesn't even compute it doesn't make sense mm. so I have to love me enough to pull my plate up before I can give you the excess from my plate but I still gotta eat make sure I eat you know Right. And we weren't generally taught that. Right. And some people say, you know, I thrive off of seeing people fall in love. Like, I get excited. Or I thrive uh-huh. off the fact that somebody, somebody may pick up the phone and say, hey, I just, you know, started this new business and it's going so well. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm excited. Um. <laughs> Some people say, man, that's like crazy. Why are you, you know, why are you excited about somebody else's thing? And I'm, it's hard for me to sometimes explain it. And then sometimes I don't feel like I need to even give the person an explanation, to be honest with you. That's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, um, certain things that uh, can warrant an explanation and some things I don't have to because I, I can make that conscious decision and know that you know, this road can be potentially negative and that's not what I am. So, um, yeah. so as far as women, because uh, in a lot of your photography, I see women and not uh-huh. only just women, but I mean, voluptuous women, um, women of color who have all the curves, uh-huh. like you said, curves, shapes, sizes, big, small, um, doesn't matter. Um, is there, um, do you, when once someone walks through the door, you're like, yeah, are you like, yeah, this is the one, you know, like this, not this is the one, but like, what's your level of like, as far as, you know, we're just talking about black love, but loving on the black sisters. And I mean, like, what is, what is your take on that? Like usually with the, with the person that comes in to see you? Well, well, growing growing up in my household, it was, you know, I grew up with the kind of people who, you know, created uh, a lot of these terms we've, we've heard, you know, I grew up with these people who were at the, uh, in the trenches of blackness, you know, okay. and in, in, in that I wasn't taught that there was one particular version of beauty or you had to be this way or you had to look like that to be beautiful. You know, uh, I wasn't taught that there was a certain complexion of beauty or, you know, a height of beauty or a a weight of beauty or something like that. Um, If if you were made in the image of God, then you you have to be beautiful, you know, because you look like God. So... Um, for me, uh, you come in the space.
face looking however it is you look. And it's up to me to see the God in you and to photograph that and, you know, and, and help you see it. And so the work started because um, I was, I picked up a camera. I had been a writer for a while and I didn't know any writers who were making money and uh, people started doing slam poetry and all of this stuff, spoken word and stuff that right. didn't inspire me in the same way because it didn't, I didn't feel like it had the same um, connection to craft. Okay. Um, and so I picked up a camera just on a whim, just looking for something, some way to stay inspired. And I would photograph women I was dating and i I love black women, so um, it would be black women that I was shooting. And I started noticing how they responded when they saw themselves um, celebrated, when they saw themselves, um, you know, being depicted as art or, or shown as beautiful as opposed to being picked apart for things that didn't look like, you know, some European beauty standard. Mm -hmm. And eventually, um, like in writing, you have workshops and you have, you know, different mentors and, and stuff like that. But in photography, I didn't really have that. And so I, I started posting my stuff online. And when I posted it online, people responded and started asking me to shoot them. And so I started charging for it. And it just kind of the business started itself. Um, created itself around me, but it just came from, you know, thinking black women are fine, thinking black women are beautiful. And so every now and again, um, there are, you know, people of other colors who ask me if I'll shoot them or whatever, you know, do I shoot them? And I do, but this work was, is based on black people loving their black selves. Now, that doesn't mean that the same, uh, uh, you know, applications won't also help somebody else love themselves too. But other people are not my priority. Like, my people is my priority. Wow. You know? I like that. Yeah. I like that. And so, I, you know, I, I'm a shoot who pays me. But there's something that my work is specifically about, and that's that's what you're gonna see, you know. Right, and I I I absolutely love the pieces that I see, like I've seen from you, and I definitely will show. Um, um, I will have those up on my social media on my website as well, so that people can view some of your photos. Um, uh -huh. I'm I'm gonna get I'm to good. Miami. <laughs> Um, to get me I'm a photo shoot. To know what is it about about the images that um that captured your attention like that? Um, well, for one, I'm a big girl, and so mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, homegirl is like literally naked, leaning over, showing the curves, you know, showing all the rolls. Can I do that? 
um, probably behind closed doors with uh, uh-huh. my significant other, with my man, but not with, you know, um, anyone else. Like, you know, uh-huh. actually, uh, photo, you know, actual photo. But then as time uh-huh. went along, I started paying attention not to the physical, but more so of um, the expression maybe on the person's face or just how their uh-huh. their body is angled or even, like I said, I can see like the vulnerability in the in some of your pictures. I can see the love, like the couples, the couples pictures. I could see the love and it's uh-huh. strong. And it reminds me, just like you said, like black love, like this is powerful. And I wish that, like you said, uh, we do need to pay more attention to our people. Not that we are saying we're, you know, pro-black and and that we don't care about other races, but we need to start paying attention to our race more and giving that, showing that kind of love because it's powerful. So I see that in your pictures and that's what, like, you know, captured pretty much captured me and even I'm you know I'm with my boyfriend I'll say and you'll post something and I'll show him the picture I'm like you see this picture and he's like yeah who's that and who would put that picture on it so now that I'm showing him every time I see a post from from you a picture of your art I kind of share it with him and now he's even becoming like hmm who's this guy like you know you know that kind of thing so I find it intriguing I think, like I, like I said, I believe that this is a liberating. It's definitely art. Um, I do respect art. So, uh-huh. why not? <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, um, so, there, all our lives, we've been seeing um, pictures in magazines or anywhere else of models, either scantily clad or with nothing on, and nobody trips, you know, it's just, that's what modeling looks like, or whatever, whatever, but when somebody is, you know, looks differently than a model body shape, then all of a sudden, it becomes this thing you have to be private about, and I I don't agree, I I think um, everything was made in, in, a variety. There's a variety of of body shapes and a variety of everything. And our beauty comes in a, in a you know in various forms. And I'm not a nudist. I'm not trying to get everybody to be naked or you know something where I'm just all about nudity. But I am about us loving ourselves at our base. Right. I am at a, a, a at uh, about us recognizing the beauty in ourselves and not shaming ourselves or not um, not seeing ourselves and going to the criticisms first, but going to the love first. And so the best way to do that to me is to model it. And if I model love and what love looks like and, and show other people loving themselves and loving each other, then it kind of creates a new culture of love first. Yes. And fortunately, that culture uh, is enough that people pay me for it. And, you know, so 
because I, I will say in each picture whether the person is half you know because granted like you said some of your pictures they're not all in nude so uh-huh. but I see love and I see more so self love and I see the yeah, you know yeah, the power yeah. in that person you know because uh-huh. like you said you know even if you're doing a speech it takes a lot of courage to stand up in front of a group of people and speak. So I'm pretty sure that it's courage and strength in those pictures as well. Right. That's the and, way I and see vulnerability. it. Yes. And vulnerability. And the thing I think is we've been trained to see vulnerability as something that somebody puts you into. Somebody puts you in a vulnerable position or something. But when you have the power to choose vulnerability, you get to choose to be soft. You get to choose to be free. You get to choose to be open. And that's a powerful place to be in a place of choosing. Right. And most of us want to feel safe. Most of us want to feel loved. Most of us want to be celebrated. Um, but we either have to wait on somebody else to do it or we choose to do that ourselves, you know. Or not even experience it at all. You know, not, or even. not experience it at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that to me, that goes back to the hell. <laughs> you know, it's like right. wow, what is life like for so many of us to be living here and only know what it's like to have to live behind a wall of protection. Hmm. As if danger is always looming around every corner and it's you know it's a dangerous world but our lives on an everyday basis either we living to live or we living behind the bars of you know protection and waiting on the danger and that's to me that's a sad life it is you're you're right i agree it's definitely been um an absolute blessing to speak with you tonight um i actually would love for you to share with us how people can reach out to you on social media um but i'll also have this information as part of the podcast uh excerpt okay well um pretty much everywhere if you put in Sadi Kali that's S-A-D-D-I is Sadi and K-H-A-L-I is Kali if you put those two names in you know I'm on pretty much every form of social media um Sadi Kali photos uh is the easiest way on Instagram uh to find me and then I have maybe three personal pages on Facebook, um, plus uh, people form groups in cities all over the world, uh, you know, that I tour to when I'm touring. So depending on what city you're in, you might put that city in on Facebook and my name, and it's likely there'll be a group that'll come up um, to it. So, and if not, you inbox me and I'll tell you the group that's closest, but there's groups all over the country and all over the world. So, so they kind of support and lean on each other, even after the photograph, after the photo is taken after. Yeah. And, and they, um, and 
share their pictures there or they encourage new people to come or they talk about their experiences or whatever. You know, it's like the love doesn't end after the session, you know. It's supposed to continue. And it's easier to do when you're in a community of people loving themselves and each other, you know. So in closing, just to wrap everything up, um, we have a segment where we call We Didn't Make This Ish Up. It could be any kind of uh-huh. ish. It could be whatever your own truth is. It could be a situation that happened in your life or something like you like, oh, wow, I can't believe this. Or uh, something that you want to share that you know for a fact it's, it's, a, it's your truth. It's your story. And you didn't make it up. Do you have one of those moments? Mm, <laughs> tell me I'm going. Um, do I have, I have plenty of those moments. Let's say... Um, I was in a shoot one time. Uh, hmm. I was in a, a session one time, and hmm, I'm trying. <laughs> See it? I, you, I know it's a session, but I'm trying to come up with one that's a good story. Well, you know what? Um, Just put it out I, there because you got to know that it ain't made. You didn't make it up. You know, <laughs> that's the whole point. Like. <laughs> Um, so people, before I was, uh, clear about what these sessions were doing for folks and what they meant, um, there were all kind of people come and put their own meaning on it, you know? Uh Uh, and so that all kind of people would come to me and I'd have to be like, Oh, this, this ain't that, you know? (laughs) Um, so I remember um, being in D.C., uh, and, and it was during this thing called Snowmageddon where, I don't know, it was like a super snowstorm or whatever, and I was doing a, a workshop, a training uh, for some Ph.D. students uh, at this conference that was happening at the um, Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. Okay. And while I, while I was there, uh, it, it the snowstorm started, and so I'm stranded with these people uh, at the Ritz Carlton, which is you know not the worst place to be stranded. But uh, I wanted I had other people to shoot in the city and wanted to get out, so I leave um, and go to the house of this, these clients. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going, and you know, there's like a little lull in the in the snow, and so I I get a cab to take me over there, and I get over there to, to shoot these people, and then it starts snowing uh, again. <laughs> wow. Um, and now now I'm stranded by these people's house. Um, <laughs> and they had like a little apartment behind their house, so not behind, but downstairs in the house. So I went and um, I put my stuff in the apartment and I chilled with the family and stuff. Wow. Um, and then, uh, and I go, it gets late. I go, you know, go to bed in this little apartment. And in the middle of the night, uh, I wake up and there's somebody standing over me and pulling the covers open. Wow. And I'm like, and it's the wife. And then before I could, like, say something, the husband walks in 
with a robe and a bottle of lotion and starts like pulling down the blinds. And I'm like, whoa. Whoa. No. <laughs> ain't that type of party. <laughs> it ain't that. This ain't that. This ain't that. And then, you know, there was an awkward conversation and then whatever, whatever. And, but I had to, <laughs> you know, make it clear to these folks that, you know, y'all should have consulted me first. We could have, you know, definitely avoided a very awkward situation because this ain't that. Right. It's supposed to be healing, not whatever y'all think it is. Exactly. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was one a crazy situation that I couldn't make up. Wow, that's good. That's what's up. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure, you know, with DC, that's not uncommon. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> well, I do thank you again for being on Brown Girl Table Talk with me. Um, again, um, man, this has been liberating. So I'm getting to Miami. Look, I feel like taking off my clothes right now. You know, it's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm good. Uh, but I really appreciate it. And I've learned a whole lot from you. And uh, you've definitely inspired me um, to continue to uh, show the love, black love. This is Black History Month, but does not mean that you not cannot show love 365 days in the year of, yeah, of black love. So, um You've given me a newfound respect for that, and I appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. (laughs) True Care Solutions. True Care Solutions' mission is to enrich the lives of disabled individuals and their families by providing comprehensive range of support services, programs, and activities. Their goal is to empower disabled individuals and their families to be reliable resources and advocate for them. So reach out to True Care Solutions. You can go to their website by going to www.truecaresolutions.org or you can reach out at 919-585-1491. True Care Solutions. Thank you. Guess what? Brown Ghost Table Talk is now on YouTube. You can now listen to Brown Girl Table Talk on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you listen. Please like, subscribe, and leave a comment. We would love to hear your feedback. Thank you.